Mormonism is one of the fastest growing religions in the world. Have you ever wondered in what specific ways Mormonism differs from the Christian faith? Join us today as I interview Bill McKeever, founder of Mormonism Research Ministry and author of Mormonism 101. The book provides answers to your questions and examines the major tenets of Mormon theology and compares them to Orthodox Christian beliefs. Today, we'll focus on what Mormons believe about God the Father and Jesus Christ and how it differs from what the Bible teaches. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. Welcome, Bill. Thanks so much for being my guest today. Glad to be with you, Kay. Glad to be with you. All right. Well, I know this. you wrote this book some years ago and then revised it recently. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM, we, we wrote this book back in the year 2000. And then Baker, after we talked to them a little bit about some of the things that we would like to have done to a reprint of the book, asked if we would go ahead and revise it. And so what we did is we went through the entire book. We kept the skeleton pretty much the same. So it's kind of broken down. Uh, like a mini systematic theology dealing with different aspects, and then there's subcategories. But what we wanted to do is we wanted to really strengthen the impact of the book by focusing a lot more on what we have found to be sources that Mormons cannot easily dismiss. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is many times, uh, if you've ever talked to Mormons for any amount of time, you'll probably find that sometimes when you bring up a comment made by a Latter-day Saint leader of the past, let's say whether it's Brigham Young or John Taylor, the third president, or even guys like Bruce McConkie and people like that, some Mormons who are not really familiar with the authority factor of those gentlemen would easily try to dismiss some of the things that they may have said that a Mormon might not currently agree with. So what we did is we went through the book, and we still have some comments of men like that in the book when they're very appropriate, but we went to sources such as conference messages. Mm -hmm. Mormons have general conference twice a year here in Salt Lake City, and Mormons are told that when something is said in conference, they can pretty much take that to the bank as being a doctrinal mandate. Mm -hmm. We also cited a lot of church manuals. Now, church manuals are probably a little bit more difficult for non-Mormons to even know where to buy them, but they are very important to the Latter-day Saints. And if a statement is found in a church manual, it has a very large impact on a Latter-day Saint, because those manuals are allegedly vetted by the leadership in the LDS Church. In other words, they have this stamp of approval by the First Presidency, the top three guys that mm. run the Mormon Church. It's difficult for a Mormon to just blithely dismiss a statement if it's found in a church manual. So we put in a lot more quotes from church manuals, a lot more quotes from General Conference, and I think strengthened the book immensely. And I think a lot of Christians reading this are going to probably be surprised to see that Mormonism really has not changed all that much over the years, even though we are hearing even some evangelicals uh, say that maybe the Mormon Church is coming around to a more Christian consensus. I'm not mm. in that group, 
based on what I am continually reading in their manuals and hearing what I'm hearing at General Conference. You bet. Well, we're going to get to to a couple of the first chapters in the book. But before we do, one of the things I really liked about the chapters is you begin each one with what you call Mormonese and kind of definitions uh, explaining words that we often know, but explaining what Mormons actually teach about those. Can you just give us an example of one of those? Uh, Because it really is very helpful in short form, right there, bolded as you get into the chapter. Just explain, give give an example of something. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Having a good handle on how Mormons define certain words is utmost important in having a positive conversation with a Latter-day Saint. One of the biggest complaints I get from a lot of well-meaning Christians who write me, wondering what in the world am I doing, is when I ask them, well, did you ever have the Mormon explain to you what they mean when they use certain terms? And many times they'll say, well, no, why did I have to do that? Mm -hmm. I say, well, it's because they're using a completely different dictionary in a lot of these areas. For instance, let me give you one good example. In Chapter 1 of our book, which is God the Father, it starts on page 31, we use the word gospel. Let's, let's take an easy one, gospel. And the definition that we've included for our readers is all doctrine, principles, laws, ordinances, and covenants necessary for a Mormon to receive Godhood. Mm-hmm. Now, I venture to say not too many evangelical Christians no. would define <laughs> the gospel that way. No. But yet that is exactly what it is to a Latter-day Saint. Mm. The problem, of course, is when you look at the Mormon view of salvation, the gospel, which is known to us as being good news, mm-hmm. readily becomes bad news mm-hmm. for the Latter-day Saint, because I don't know of any Mormon who's really doing what they're supposed to do in order to receive the best that their religion offers its members. So if they can't achieve it, then how in the world can it be good news? Yeah. The reason why we put this Mormonese section in there is because we have found that many times Christians are hamstrung because they don't really know what the Mormons are saying when mm-hmm. they use these terms, and mm-hmm. they have a tendency to walk away from the conversation thinking that they agreed on everything, right. when in fact they just talk past each other. Yeah, yeah, it's very difficult, and I know we always say that too. So I really appreciate that at the very beginning of each chapter. So let's talk about what the LDS, Latter-day Saints, believe about God and how it differs from Christian beliefs. Let's talk about God the Father, Um, you know, just as we begin uh, what you have in your chapter related to that. Okay. Well, what we try to do is we show that if, in fact, the God, the one they call Heavenly Father, is different than the God of the Bible, how in the world can we in good conscience embrace the LDS Church as being part of the Christian faith if even their view of God is not fitting the attributes of the God we find in the Bible. Now, when you go through the Book of Mormon, you're going to find that there are some statements in the Book of Mormon that I don't think most of us as evangelicals would have a problem with. For instance, let me give you one example. Moroni 8.18, which is found at the back of the Book of Mormon, says, For I know that God is not a partial God, neither a changeable being, but he is unchangeable from all eternity to all eternity. 
Now that sounds very similar to what we find in Psalm 90, verse 2, that says basically that God is God from everlasting to everlasting. In other words, he was always God. But that's not what Joseph Smith taught later on in his life. Joseph Smith, of course, being the founder of the Mormon movement, who claimed that God called him to restore true Christianity back to the earth. And that's what Mormons believe they are a part of. They believe that they are a part of true Christianity. And that is, again, where the definitions come into play. But when we look at Moroni 8.18, it sounds very Christian. And I would say that that statement is basically true. Mm -hmm. However, when you have Joseph Smith coming along later on saying, we have imagined and supposed that God was God from all eternity, I will refute that idea and take away the veil that you may see, we see, that, of course, that there's a big difference now. Smith was evolving in his view regarding God over the years, and certainly what Mormons are led to believe today in many aspects doesn't fit the pattern that we find in even the Book of Mormon. And so right now, most Mormons would tell you that they believe that God was once a human being like us, and that through his personal efforts and righteousness, he was elevated to the position that he now holds. In other words, he was not God from all eternity to all eternity. It's not that they don't believe that God is eternal, and this is where it gets confusing. Mm. They believe that all of us, even us humans, are all eternal beings, and even God himself once being a human, would have also been an eternal being, but he was not eternally God. This is why it's important when you talk to a Mormon and you ask them about God, you ask, well, do you believe that your God was eternally God? Don't just say, no, you believe your God is eternal. eternal. <laughs> they mm. can say yes to that, mm -hmm. but you have to phrase it correctly and say, eternally God. If they're familiar with what Joseph Smith taught, and if they're familiar with the official position of the Church today, they will not be able to answer yes to that question. Mm. So they believe God is not eternally God. Not eternally God. That he became God at some point in time, when exactly, we don't know. But Joseph Smith did make it very clear towards the end of his life that God was not the God that seems to be described in Moroni 8.18 in the mm -hmm. Book of Mormon, mm -hmm. that he was not unchangeable from all eternity to all eternity. Now, that raises a, a very important question, though. If, in fact, the God of Mormonism was once a human being, who was running the show mm -hmm. while he was in his mortal humanity? Yeah. Yeah. It certainly wow. could not have been him. So who was it? Well, Mormons have an answer for that. Well, they do. They would believe that their God, who, when he was a human, was submissive and underneath the God that preceded him. Hmm. And so that God also, when he was once a human, also was submissive to a God that preceded him. Hmm. And this, what we call infinite regression of gods, goes clear back into eternity past. So really what you have in Mormonism, you don't have a primary cause that started everything. Mormons really don't have a primary cause in their theology. They just believe that there was is a God, wow. a man, who's the offspring of a God, oh, wow. who was once a man, going clear back into eternity past. Now here's the problem, Kay. If you have to be first a human before you become a god, then what would that mean? It would mean that in the beginning was man. Oh. Now, 
Now, that makes no sense, no. because where did the man come from, right. and how did this man eventually exalt uh-huh. himself to the position of God at some point? It makes no sense whatsoever, but it is part of a grander doctrine in Mormonism known as the doctrine of eternal progression, okay. of which God himself is also a part of, and that Mormons believe they are a part of, because if they are righteous enough, they too can become gods. Oh, God. Now, here's what the scholars and the apologists are doing with us now. Now they're trying to soften that doctrine that men can become gods by making it sound like, well, we don't believe that we're going to be as powerful as God or even surpass the God we worship now. We will be like him. Mm. So my question then is, was, okay, what do you mean by you will be like him? If you're not going to be as powerful as him, and you're never going to surpass him in, in his omnipotence and whatever, then you're going to be a lesser God than the God you believe in now, correct? And they have to answer yes to that question if they're going to be consistent. Mm. Now think about it. If that is true in how Mormons achieve godhood, wouldn't it also be true of the God that they are worshiping right now, the one they call Elohim, or Heavenly Father? If it is true, and they're going to be consistent, that means that Elohim, the God of Mormonism, God the Father of Mormonism, is a lesser God than the God that preceded him. That God would also be a lesser God that preceded him, going Mm. clear back into eternity. Do you see a problem with this? I think so. I think the Bible says there is one God. At all. One God. So they don't believe that uh, God is omnipotent or omnipresent either, correct? Well, they would use the words omnipotent, but again, they would define them very differently. Um, They would not look at uh, omnipotence as being like we would see it, as being all-powerful, that there is nothing at all like God. He is like nothing else. They wouldn't be able to say that. But they would say that he's probably all-powerful in all that relates to them personally, but not in the grand scheme of things. That couldn't be possible if he, in fact, is a lesser God than the one that did precede him. So again, definitions become very important if you're going to have a positive conversation with Mormons. You bet. Well, I want to make some announcements, and then after the break, we're going to talk a little bit about what they believe about Jesus. Family Shield Ministries' mission is to educate and equip you to know Christ, grow in his word, and strengthen individuals and their families. Thank you for keeping us in your prayers and letting us know how the radio program is helping you and your family. We encourage you to send comments, suggestions for radio topics, or gifts to Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. Remember, your gifts are tax-deductible as allowed by law, and that you can also give a gift through PayPal through our website. The Family Shield Ministries Counter-Cult Ministry purchases and gives away tracts that can help you respond and witness to Mormons. To receive a supply of them, email us at witness2family at gmail.com or call our response center 1-800-847-4836. We'd love to send those out. We have about five tracks and we'll send one of each of those five to anyone that requests them. Uh, I also want to let you know that on our Family Shield website, we have a link called Recommended Links 
There are various categories, and one of the categories is apologetics, which would deal with witnessing to Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. Bill's organization, Mormon Research Ministry, is under that. And uh, there are just so many wonderful resources, and I just want you to know about that. Our complimentary email newsletter shares upcoming radio guests and program topics that you can promote at your congregation and to your friends. To sign up, you can go to our homepage and put your email in the box that says sign up for the newsletter. It's very simple. We hope you'll do that. Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson have written the book we're talking about today, Mormonism 101. It's published by Baker Books, and you can order that book through Christian bookstores or Amazon.com. You can also go to their website, and they have a special offer with uh, signed autographed books by both authors. Their website is www.mrm, standing for Mormon Research Ministries.org, or you can just Google Mormon Research Ministry and it will come up. Now, I, again, I'm interviewing Bill McKeever. Uh, he is the founder of Mormon Research Ministry and one of the authors of Mormonism 101. What a great book, Bill. Um, I want to transition to talk about what Mormons believe about Jesus and how it's different from what Christians believe. And just like what we talked about with the Heavenly Father, God the Father, there are a lot of differences between what they believe and what the Bible teaches and what Orthodox Christianity teaches about Jesus. So let's start there. Okay, well, one of the problems I find that many Christians have in talking with their LDS friend or loved one is that many times the Mormon will tell them that they believe in the same Jesus that we believe in. And, of course, if that's really true, then we would think that the attributes would parallel each other. But, again, we find that there's a distinct difference. Now, first of all, it's not the leadership that are often coming out saying that the Jesus we believe in is the same as what Mormons are supposed to believe in. It's usually the lay people. And when you look at the teachings of the leadership, we find that they have been pretty clear that there is a distinct difference between the two. Let me quote you a statement from a book called Mormon Doctrine. It was written by Mormon Apostle Bruce R. McConkie. This is found on page 269, and this is what he said. And virtually all the millions of apostate Christendom have abased themselves before the mythical throne of a mythical Christ, whom they vainly suppose to be a spirit essence who is incorporeal, uncreated, immaterial, and three-in-one with the Father and Holy Spirit. This is a Mormon leader saying basically that our understanding of who Jesus is, is false. Now, when you have Gordon B. Hinckley, who was the 15th president of the Church, make a statement in General Conference back in 2002, this is in the April 2002 General Conference, and this statement can be found in the May 2002 issue of Ensign Magazine, which is an official publication of the LDS Church. This is on page 90. This is what Gordon B. Hinckley said. As a church, we have critics, many of them. They say we do not believe in the traditional Christ of Christianity. There is some substance to what they say. Now, if the leaders are saying that there is a difference, then why is it that Christians want to assume that there isn't a difference, <laughs> even though their neighbor might say there isn't? But remember, the Mormon neighbor doesn't speak for the LDS Church. Mm -hmm. They probably have a lot of their own personal opinions that may not even reflect what the Church wants its members to believe. This is 
why we as a ministry try very hard to cite what the church has to say for its membership. And so this is why we like to go to the people who have the authority to speak on doctrine and not necessarily like BYU Mm. professors who really have no authority to speak on doctrine, unless, of course, it lines up with what the leaders have said. But let's look at one of the biggest things that I think troubles a lot of us as Christians. In Mormonism, it's taught that all of humanity are the literal sons and daughters of God, that all of us as humans lived in the presence of our heavenly parents. This would be the heavenly father that we just described in the first half of the show. And heavenly father, according to Mormonism, is married to what Mormons refer to as heavenly mother, or in some Mormon cases, heavenly mothers, because in the Mm. 19th century, I should say in the 19th century, when polygamy was popular, Mormon leaders were arguing that God himself was a practicing polygamist. Mm. Now, think about this. In this grand scheme of things, where you have a heavenly father and a heavenly mother, and they're procreating children in this this spirit world, the pre-existence, before we came to earth, the firstborn son to them was Jehovah, the pre-incarnate Christ. This is the Mormon Jesus. Later on, another son was born named Lucifer. This is where the relationship between Jesus and Lucifer comes in. Now, not only is Jesus related to Lucifer in this familial aspect, but we're also related to Lucifer. He's also our brother as well, if Mormonism is true. The problem, of course, is that it was through Jesus that all things were created, including Lucifer. So we can't see, biblically, a justification for the Mormon idea that Jesus and Lucifer are brothers. And it's funny, because some Mormon apologists really can't understand why this doctrine offends us so much, but Mm. it certainly is offensive, because certainly we don't find any biblical justification for this. We also find in Mormon thought that Jesus became a god, because Jesus is a god in According to Mormonism, yeah. Yeah, but he became a god in the pre-existence. Now, how does that happen when for every other child of God, according to Mormonism, they have to go through a mortal testing period, the mortal probation, or humanity here on earth. Jesus somehow is able to bypass that. That makes no sense Mm. within even the consistency of Mormonism. But somehow Jesus became a God in the preexistence, something that even his own father obviously didn't do. (laughs) So it starts looking really strange. Very, very different. A very very false Christ. And according to God's Word, it has a lot to tell us about false Christ and those that teach something that is not biblical. Why is it dangerous for people to believe in a false Christ? Yeah, because only the true Christ has the ability to save us from our sins. If we are going to believe in a false idea of who Jesus is, and not afford him the honor, authority, and power that he has and is, then certainly our faith is misguided. The early Christian church took what the church believed regarding Jesus very seriously. And sadly, I'm finding that that seriousness is not something that even some of our evangelical scholars seem to find importance anymore. And it's very troubling. But yet we do have some evangelical scholars that actually would tell us that they believe that Mormonism is not all that off Mm. from 
what we believe as Christians, right. and that would even say that there are many Mormon scholars that they would probably believe are saved individuals. Well, my question is, is when did they receive the forgiveness of their sins? Because according to Mormonism, the only way that you can receive the forgiveness of sins according to their scriptures, and one in particular is Doctrine and Covenants, section 1, verse 32, is after you have repented of all your sins and kept all the commandments, then you get the forgiveness of sins. So you have to be perfect according to Mormons. You know, that, that's exactly how it's understood, and it's funny, when I bring up section 1, verse 32, to many Latter-day Saints, and other verses as well, they will say, are you saying I have to be perfect? And I will respond by saying, funny you drew that conclusion, because I never used that word. Oh. How did you draw the conclusion that I'm saying you have to be perfect? The fact is, is if repentance, according to Mormonism, is the confession and abandonment of all your sins, and that's how it's defined. Mm -hmm. And then also, coupled with that, you must keep all the commandments. My question then is, is what Mormon has actually accomplished that feat? I know as a Christian, I certainly haven't accomplished such a feat as that. Mm -hmm. I know my shortcomings. Mm -hmm. I, I know my need for God's grace, despite those shortcomings. But if that is the requirement, according to the Mormon Church Scripture then how in the world can this even be remotely considered to be a Christian church, when even in that area, it certainly is way off in left field. Yeah. But this Jesus of Mormonism also had to work out his own salvation, according to Mormonism. I mean, there's so many contradictory and convoluted statements that Mormons have made about the Mormon Jesus in the past, that it really becomes mind-boggling. And this is probably why we find so much folk Mormonism here in the state of Utah. I talk to Mormons a lot, and many times they will tell me things, and I'll look at them like, where did you get that? Because I don't recognize that as being anything close to what's being taught in their scriptures, and certainly it hasn't been taught by the leadership. And I think it's important to cut through the folklore and get down to exactly what is it that the Mormon Church wants its people to believe. And this is why we spend so much time trying to research exactly what the Mormon leadership has taught and what their manuals are teaching their people today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, in the program, we've talked about who is Jesus and who is the Heavenly Father, what Mormons teach and what uh, the Bible teaches. And in the, just the 60 seconds left, I just want to share that we want our listeners to know that Jesus Christ suffered and died for all of your sins and you don't have to do anything but believe in him, and your sins are washed away. He is the perfect one. He was the one that didn't sin. We give him our sins, and he gives us his perfection. That's great good news, and that is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to end the program today just by mentioning again our website, which is www. FamilyShieldMinistries.com, www.FamilyShieldMinistries.com. Give us a call. We'll pray with you. Uh, we'll send some tracks, and we'll let you know where to get this book, Mormonism 101. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield. Thanks again for listening. God bless your day. 
You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield.